struvite and calcium oxalate in most countries, you have, kind of have a 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those stones. And we mentioned in the last podcast that Latin America is a little bit different because they have about 20% podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary professional healthcare team. If you are dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, the famous cat vet and author of multiple textbooks, and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Welcome back, Susan. Welcome back, Yola. No, that's great. Yeah, it's ha- happy to be here. This is podcast number two for wow. the Percast. We <laughs> yes. changed the name. Yeah, we think it should be called a Percast. Percast. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that name. So Percast number two. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about stones. Uh, yeah. or, or last two weeks ago, as a matter of mm. fact, because we do it every two weeks. If we get so much energy that we can do every week. Oh, that would be good. Well, it's not the energy, it's the time. I know. Yeah, we have the energy and the ideas. It's crazy. It's time. the time. It's crazy yeah. time. So. But we had fun last time. Yeah, we so did. we did a really nice introduction about um, uroliths in, in cats. Yeah, so if we would summarize it in like uh, three Ooh. sentences, what, 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 what would we say? Um, cats get uroliths. Yes, they do. But it's not as common as another disease, which is called idiopathic cystitis. Right. So we talked a lot about those two diseases. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, talked about how you can use your diagnostics wisely, depending mm-hmm. on the age of your cat. Uh, so you could use tests wisely and efficiently. And we talked a little bit about the difference between dogs and cats yes. when it comes to stones. And we also talked a little bit about uh, geographic differences in types of stones because we have actually been lecturing in Brazil mm-hmm. where there's a little bit different pattern of stone types. And we did a major plug for the Minnesota Urolith Center. We did. So we definitely we want them. we want to encourage everybody to go to the Minnesota Urolith Center. It's urolithcenter.org. Yeah. And also to look for the free app. It's MN for Minnesota, Urolith app, mm-hmm. uh, both on uh, Google Play and in the iTunes store. So this is a free commercial for the Minnesota Urolith <laughs> Center, which we adore. We adore everybody that works there, especially Dr. Jody Lulich, who's done an amazing job. They have analyzed more than 1.1 million stones. That's so crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. Total crazy. Uh, the other thing is, uh, if you like this podcast, give us a uh, four star, five stars rating, yeah. I think. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, you can download this podcast uh, from the Google uh, Podcast Store and from the iPhone. iTunes. iTunes yep. Podcast Store. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited uh, that uh, this is our number two. And um, so, my name is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein. I'm a veterinary surgeon. And and I'm Dr. Susan Little. And I'm a cat vet who really likes internal medicine. And yeah. she's a diplomat. Indeed. Board certified. And, and, you know, they say we're board certified in feline medicine and surgery. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. You yeah. didn't know that, did you? No, but huh? I, she's not allowed to do surgery <laughs> on her cats anymore. She did it on one cat. This is enough. She has to call me to do these kind of surgeries. It's probably smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm really an internal mm-hmm. medicine person. So, and that's what I think is the strongest part of this podcast. You have a surgeon and a 
person that's interested in feline medicine uh, and we love cats and we think that there's not enough news about cats so. yeah exactly so we want to help you stay up to date really because that's hard it's hard to stay up to date with research so this per cast is perfect it's perfect perfect yeah all right so let's go back to uh stones stones in cats uh 20 of especially in cats that are younger 10 years of age uh, it's about 20% of the cases with urinary tract disease signs yep. that will get stones. And we have a couple of stones that are pretty common. So the two most common stones are oxalates and struvites. And tell mm. us a little bit about what's the difference. Yeah, so we're, we, I thought we thought we'd start by um, giving a little bit more detail on these two common stone types. So struvite and calcium oxalate in most countries you kind of have a 50 50 chance Mm -hmm. it's going to be one of those stones and we mentioned in the last podcast that latin america is a little bit different because they have about 20 percent purine stones and we'll talk about those two Mm. just specifically because we're we go delved into that topic a little bit so it's quite interesting yeah so struvite stones um, in cats are are really only found in the lower urinary tract Mm -hmm. you're not going to find them in the in the kidneys or the ureters Typically, a cat will be young, mm. so under the age of, let's say, seven, when they get their first stone, because we do see repeat offenders. Absolutely. Yeah, and one of the things we're going to talk about is how not to get a repeat offender. Exactly. Right. So they're usually young, um, and there are some common risk factors for all stone types, really, and that is that overweight, inactive, um, indoor cat. And I have a theory for them. Yeah, because, and and I, I think that's interesting because it's not specific to any one stone type. Mm-hmm. So that sort of uh, lifestyle profile, we see an increased risk of struvite and calcium oxalate. So, so tell me why you think that is true. You want to hear my theory? I want your theory. Yeah, so, so I think because these cats are overweight, they probably are not as mobile as normal cats. So if I was a normal lean cat running around, you know, and I was like, oh, I need to pee, I need to run to the mm. uh, the litter box and I pee. In uh, these cats, probably they are probably less mobile, so they might keep it up a little longer or might wait a little longer, might distress the bladder a little bit, get a little bit more inflammation. And uh, so it might have to do with the times that they urinate. It would be very mm. easy to find out mm. if there's a difference in urinary frequency. Um, and we probably should look it up if that's, if anybody has ever looked at that. But yeah. but that would be my theory. And, uh, and so maybe also when you're obese, we know there's a lot of inflammatory factors uh, that play a role and inflammation of the bladder is a big part It is of a it. big thing. And we know at least statistically, you see more lower urinary tract disease in obese cats than in normal body weight cats. So... And do you know if that's the same in people? I, you I know, actually, that. I don't know if that's the same in, in people. We should or look or that up species. because that's quite interesting. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, anyway, anyhow, that's just a theory. NS1, so uh, mm. there's no uh, scientific evidence. And if you know, if uh, if you yeah, let us know, know, let us know because mm. we're really interested in in this topic. So, so struvite. Struvite. Yeah. So that's struvite. Calcium oxalate, the other really common stone. We tend to see them in cats that are a little bit older. So typically, mm. they'd be over the age of seven, at least when they get their first stone. Calcium oxalate stones can be anywhere in the urinary tract, lower or upper. Yeah. But as we mentioned in the last podcast, if you ever see a stone in the kidney or ureters of a cat, you can guarantee it's calcium oxalate because we don't get other stone types in the upper urinary tract of cats. So that makes life easy. Makes life easy when it's in the upper urinary tract. So, And the third key fact about calcium oxalate stones is we always want to check those patients 
for hypercalcemia. Oh, wow. So idiopathic hypercalcemia is a thing in cats. Wow. Uh, certainly in recent years, we have this increasing awareness. Okay. Don't understand why, but this increasing awareness of hypercalcemia, and that can lead to stone formation in some cats. Yeah. Wow. Especially some breeds. So we see breeds like the Persian, uh, the Burmese, that seem to be at increased risk of both the uh, calcium oxalate stones and hypercalcemia. Yeah. Yep. So um, other people think that might have to do with renal disease, early renal disease, the formation of stones and sure. anything that happens with that. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about upper um, upper urinary stones too and the treatments that we have. Uh, they're obviously a little bit more difficult yep. than uh, because they're calcium oxalate and calcium oxalates in general are more difficult to treat than struvites. So. Yeah, more difficult to treat and prevent. So, but we but do want to say a few words about urates, yes, right? Yeah, that. yeah, because uh, again, we we have been um, doing some lectures in Latin America, and uh, urate stones are more common there than most other parts of the world. So urate stones form only in the bladder and generally yeah. in much younger group of cats. So typically under the age of four would be your typical patient for urate, at least the first time getting a urate stone. The problem with these stones is that unless they're big enough, uh, they're hard to see on an x-ray. So when they're small, you won't see them on an x-ray. Hmm. So you might have to do uh, ultrasound or you might have to do contrast radiographs to see the small ones. Yep. The big okay. ones will eventually show up on, a, on an x-ray. So here's the difference between cat and dog, because this is another important point, right? Yeah. So if you have a dog and it has ammonium urate stones, I think most vets are trained to think the dog might have a shunt. A shunt. Yeah, absolutely. First thing that comes to your mind. Mm -hmm. So that could happen in cats. You could have a cat, a cat with a shunt who has ammonium urate stones. Yeah. But I will tell you, most of the time, when cats have urate stones, they don't have a shunt. It's usually idiopathic in cats. Yeah, especially when I think about young puppies that have stones. I don't even have to, you know, do the diagnosis. I almost always know that it probably is a dog especially when it's small breed hmm. I, the first thing i look for is a, a shunt yeah. so um, but not in a cat not in a cat then. there you go very good so the other thing we wanted to talk about was um uh, what type of uh, imaging we can do when we have lower urinary tract disease because we often get asked which is best should i do an x-ray or should i do an ultrasound which is best Right, so we want to kind of help you answer answer that question. And I think there's a difference between a radiologist answering that question, mm. so a diagnostic imaging expert, and a general practitioner, because mm. you know a, a lot of the, the the diagnostic imaging experts are very comfortable with. Uh, and they're experts mm. in doing uh, ultrasound. So it might be a little different for them than mm -hmm. for general practitioners that don't do it that often. Mm -hmm. And so in general, we prefer to take radiographs. First. First, yeah. yes. And I think it also depends on what are you looking for? So I, I always start when I'm thinking of a patient, what is the question I'm trying to answer? Mm -hmm. So if the question I'm trying to answer is, does this patient have a bladder stone? and you know that really is key to our discussion um, today, then I'll always start with x-rays because you can see most bladder stones, again, unless they're too small, yeah. you, will, you will see them on an x-ray in the cat. Yes, you'll see them on ultrasound, mm -hmm. but here is where ultrasound does not help. So we not only want to know if there is a stone, but we want to know what are the characteristics of the stone. We want to know the shape, mm -hmm. we want to know the number, we want to know the density. These are clues to the stone type. 
right? And ultrasound can't tell you that. Ultrasound just says yes or no, do you have a stone? Mm. So that's why we prefer radiographs as your first line tool when you have these patients with lower urinary tract disease. I think it's also easier to estimate the size of the stone on the radiograph. Yeah. So especially when you want to do follow-up. Um, right. You know, we... You're going to follow up with a radiograph. Exactly. Right. But if maybe it's an older patient or a patient with chronic disease and you're more worried about is there a tumor or a polyp mm -hmm. or is there bladder wall abnormalities, ultrasound there might be the better tool. So if it's a screening purposes, we always recommend radiographs first, but in some patients, actually you might need both in yeah. some patients. Oh, that's true. Right. It's the same with uh, your analysis and uh, radiographs. So right, exactly. The more tools you have, the better diagnosis you can make, but you don't always have the luxury of the right. So I mentioned that one of the big uh, benefits of doing radiographs is you learn some of the characteristics of the stone. So I thought we would review what those are to help us tell the difference between struvite and, and uh, calcium oxalate stones. I think that's an excellent idea. And the advantage that we had during the lectures is that we could show ra mm. radiographs and then people could say, oh yeah, there's a real big difference. So we need to be very descriptive okay. about what we see on the radiograph to be able for we're going to paint a picture audio audio with words audio audience audio audience audio audience <laughs> that's a really difficult word to uh, to let them know what they're looking for so when i see a stone on a radiograph there's three things that i look at so the first thing i look at is the density of the stone so how bright is mm -hmm. it right and why do we care about that because it differentiates between the two. So how does it differentiate? So I think calcium oxalate stones are much denser on the radiograph, so brighter or whiter or whatever you want to call it, radio dense, um, probably because they contain a lot of calcium. But, um, and so what I normally do is even the really small ones you can see very clearly, which is uncommon for small stones mm. like struvite, because they are not as dense. So if you see very bright, small, radio dense stones, it probably is an calcium oxalate stone and not a struvite stone. Um, I tend to compare them with, uh, with bone tissue. With bones. So if they are almost as radio dense as the bone, then I'm probably going towards calcium yep. oxalate. Where struvites are very rarely that dense. You, mm -hmm. they, they will look um, not as white, not as bright. But you can see them though. Yes, you can see them, uh, but they are just not as white or as bright. So I think it's a really good comparison to look at the cat's long bones. Like the femur is usually right there, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. So right look at the femur, look at the stone and say, do I think they're the same density or do I think the stone um, is less dense, mm -hmm. right? So the less dense stones will be struvite. So the other thing we look at uh, is um, shape or contour. Mm -hmm. And in cats, we see two forms of struvite stones. Yeah. So uh, the most common form, at least that I see, it has a very smooth uh, out, out outline. And it's often kind of like oval or yeah, disc-shaped, kind of flat, flat yeah, yeah, exactly. almost like a oval coin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a really common type of struvite stone. Every now and then you'll get a struvite stone that has a very jagged or irregular outline. Uh, so never say never. Never say never, mm -hmm. yeah. But if you do see a stone with quite a smooth outline and it looks kind of flat or kind yeah. of oval-shaped and it's not very dense, that's that's true right calcium oxalates can be both shapes as well uh -huh. but in my experience most of them have a very irregular outline they're kind of ragged they're ragged jagged mm -hmm. edges i don't usually see the smooth form in cats okay. so the contour helps and finally the number helps mm. 
So it's not a hard and fast rule, but it, it's, you know, these are all generalizations, of course. right? But this works most of the time. So if you have, let's say less than three to five stones, like one, two, three stones, probably struvite, especially mm. if they're not very dense, right? In the cat. In the cat. So we're going to put all of these characteristics together. But if you have a lot of stones, yeah. right? And especially if they're dense, and, and again, they're small. Yeah, and calcium oxalates, as Yola said, even when they're small, you can see them because mm -hmm. they're so dense. That's going to make me think more of calcium oxalate. Although, you know, sometimes uh, the purine stones, too, can look like that, you yeah. know. Yeah. That's so, true. again, you know, never say never. But at least um, you'll see that what we're getting at is we're trying to help you come to a conclusion um, about whether it's a good idea to start medical therapy with these cats because we always want you to give that cat a medical therapy chance that's yeah. where we're going with this exactly exactly and i think uh, even when uh, struvite stones get really big they can become quite dense but it has to do with the size too mm. so you have to think about it and in, in my experience most of the really big stones mm. are struvite yeah the, the big ones are typically struvite exactly and they do get denser as they get bigger so what about uh, cysteine stones or purine stones yeah so they can have um, variable appearance appearances i usually find they're smaller mm. they're not as big as the struvites can get mm. um the cysteines i usually find are smoother they're kind of rounder and smoother stones the urates can be irregular yeah so this is a game where the minnesota urolith center app helps you mm. so you can not only look at the radiograph and try to make some guesses, but you can combine that with inputting your patient's characteristics, breed, sex, exactly. and age into the app and then see what the app says. Mm -hmm. So you've actually got two sources to give you an educated guess at the stone type. And we, that's exactly we always want you to make an educated yeah. guess at the stone type, yeah. right? And if you don't know, then that's we have okay. a very simple solution yep, for that too. We do. Because I think that if you're not completely sure about yourself, and you're doubting if you should do surgery or not, I probably would go the less aggressive way, although mm -hmm. I'm a surgeon. And I think that uh, that there is a simple trick that we can teach you, mm -hmm. which we will talk about, about how you could do that and still be relatively safe. Yeah. So we really, I think both of us agree that we would like to use the least invasive method first. So we're talking therapy now. We're talking therapy now. So once we've identified a stone and made our best guess at the type, we'd like to pick the least invasive therapy, right? Why do we want that? Well, it's kinder to the cat, mm -hmm. right? It's less pain for the cat. Um, it's cheaper for the owner, right? So I think it's a more humane way to treat Although these Although I do get the question very, very commonly of people saying, I wanna do surgery because if mm. you do surgery, take away the stone, the cat, you know, okay, the surgery is painful, but then it's gone and they're less yeah. painful. Do you know, so I, I so we have two answers to that. Um, one is that I think post-surgical pain is underestimated yes. and under-recognized in cats, right? They tend to be very um, uh, non-specific in their signs of pain. It's harder to recognize. We know from many surveys done in many countries mm -hmm. around the world, cats always receive less pain medication post-op than dogs do. So I never want people to underestimate. So just the speed of uh the of doing surgery is not enough of a benefit and as a matter of fact we're going to tell you that medical dissolution of struvite stones is pretty darn quick too it is it is so right. so it's really not a reason to do it at least the pain excuse should not be a reason to take either of the right. two solutions right. so so let's talk a little bit about the various options that we have from 
least invasive or to most invasive yeah. or vice versa? So obviously least invasive is going to be medical dissolution and that's typically dietary mm -hmm. therapy, primarily for struvite, although sometimes we can influence the purine stones a little yeah. bit with diet, a little harder, but sometimes mm -hmm. we can. So we'll talk mainly about struvite because that's where most of the, the evidence um, is. Uh, some patients, so if we go in the order of the, the, the uh, least invasive, next on my list, if we couldn't do surgery, sorry, if we uh, couldn't medically dissolve the stone, mm. next on my list, I know, it was a quick slip there, wow, <laughs> we have to edit that a little bit out, I think, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> so next on my list would be a technique called voiding urohydropropulsion. This is something that you may have seen or heard Dr. Jody Lulich talk about, yep. he's a big proponent of it. And we'll discuss it, in, not in too much detail, but we will discuss yep. it a little later too. And then I guess the next level after that would be, if it's available to you, would be some of the newer techniques like cystoscopy or these techniques where you combine a mini laparotomy with cystoscopy mm -hmm. or laser therapy. So we have this whole kind of family uh, uh, where there's um, uh, some new toys. So minimal invasive mm -hmm. techniques to get rid of these right. stones. Right. And I do have to say that those probably are much more often used in dogs and in cats because of the size limitation. The problem is the size of the feline urethra. Mm -hmm. So we That's rarely right. do them. Um, some of them can't be done in male cats. Um, uh, some of the minimally invasive laparoscopy assisted techniques mm -hmm. you could do in any cat. Sure, sure. So that's kind of an expanding field that's interesting, mm -hmm. right? And then last on the list. Last but not least, we have surgery. Yeah. So you can always do surgery. And I think that we need to make a very strict delineation when we talk about bladder stones, at least. You know, if you have oxalate stones, there's not a lot of things that you can do except for surgery. And then those more minimal invasive techniques like laser uh, lithotripsy mm. and that sort of things but you know surgery is probably still in most practices the mainstay of therapy which yep. is completely okay with struvite it's a completely different story i think like i said minnesota shows 50 percent of the stones of struvite are taken out and struvite really should not be treated by surgery and uh, because they're super sensitive to medical dissolution by diet. Especially in the cat because we don't have infection as a complicating factor. And that's exactly so it. I often think we get quicker resolution with dietary therapy in the cat than in the dog. Mm -hmm. So we do have some great um, independent scientific evidence from uh, University of Minnesota mm -hmm. uh, talking about medical dissolution of these stones. Yep. And uh, as a matter of fact, we know that uh, these stones can be dissolved in quite a short time. Yeah, so here's the plan. Here's what we recommend. If you see a stone on a radiograph, so you're going to use your radiographic characteristics and hopefully you're also going to use the Minnesota Urolith app. Uh -huh. And if the two of these techniques together both say to you, yes, I think this is struvite, even if, even if you still don't know, I, we'd still encourage you to go this route. So what we're going to do is have the um, owner feed the cat um, a diet that uh, uh, we know mm -hmm. will uh, both dissolve and usually then prevent um, future struvite stones. And so we start counting from the day the owner says the cat has successfully switched over and now this is the only food they're eating. It is really critical that we talk to the owner and they understand that these foods uh, only work if it's the only thing the cat eats. We have to be very, very strict. So you cannot feed anything else. You cannot feed little extra, mm, you treats. know, treats. You cannot feed uh, a over-the-counter mm. soft diet, over-the-dry yep. diet. 
it doesn't really make a difference if it's dry or wet. No, nope, won't matter. But I do think that you have to look at the evidence behind the diets. Yes, so we do like um, uh, to see where independent scientifically published evidence has is available to us. And so in, in, uh, in my practice, at least when I'm asked, what's the number one food that I would use? You know, I have no trouble saying that um, I, would, I would pick um, Hill CD. Mm-hmm. And I would pick it because we have independent published evidence from researchers that have nothing to do with the company. And that's what we should always be looking for, any therapy um, that we're asked to evaluate. I go to the literature, I look to see, is there independent evidence? Yeah, so let's go back to the, uh, so the, there's, there's four steps that we suggest. One is you have a cat with urinary right. disease, lower urinary disease signs. Two is then we l- take a radiograph. We take a radiograph. And we look at and estimate what kind of stone we think it is. Um, if we think it's sulfite or if we don't know no. what it is, then we go to the app and look if our diagnosis fits with the rest of the population of stones that are sent in. And then step four is we start a diet and this diet, uh, we put the diet on for about how long? So about two weeks. So once the owner says the cat is successfully eating only our recommended diet and, and we can we can have some patience, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, some cats will switch to a new diet quickly. Others might take a little bit of time. It's yeah. not an emergency. We can prescribe pain medication in the meantime to help these cats. Yeah. So once the owner says my cat is successfully eating the new diet, I have them come back in two weeks. And what we do in two weeks, of course, we do a physical exam and, and uh, discuss with the owner how things are going, but we're going to take another radiograph. And what are we looking for? Yeah, so there's three options as a matter of fact. The first option is it's completely gone. No more stone. The stone is totally gone or the stones are totally gone. Uh, The second option is that the stone is definitely decreased and we like to say about 50%. So 50% is what we're aiming for. And then number four is the stone is exactly the same size. So for the first two, so no stone or stone is 50%, you just keep on going with the diet. Yeah, because um, ideally I'm going to use a food that is both uh, dissolution and maintenance prevention mm-hmm. at the same time. So I don't have to switch the cat. You know, in the old days we had to use a dissolution diet first, then we had to switch to a maintenance diet. Yeah. So we don't have to do that anymore. So we can use a diet uh, like CD, for example, for both purposes. That's beautiful. Cats mm-hmm. hate switching diets. And we want to keep them on because it's lifelong therapy. It is. Or it they'll is. be a repeat offender. Yes. We don't like repeat offenders, for nope. sure. So that, that is the whole thing. And this is a question we get very often mm-hmm. is, how long do we put these cats on this diet? And the proper diets are good to be fed for the rest of their life. Yeah. They're, they're, unless some other medical condition occurs later in life that might change things, yes. but all other things being equal, this is lifelong management because these cats are, are, are now, they're known stone formers, right? But you talked about the third uh, possibility on that radiograph that there's no change in the stone, then what? Yeah, so if there's no change in the stone, we need to do more diagnostics to see if we can find out what kind of stone it is. But I would guesstimate that then it's probably a calcium oxalate stone. But, and, but wait, there's something I would do first. What if the owner didn't follow our recommendations? That's a really good point. Yeah. So before you do anything, yeah. you want to talk with the owner and really ask them, did you really do what we told you to do? Right. Because you know how owners are. <laughs> you know how I am. You know I know <laughs> oh, how yeah. you are. It's always so difficult to do very strict compliance. Yes. And so if they have not been compliant, you know, you cannot 
you know, you cannot say anything about yeah. the results. Right. So we always want to check that first. But if the owner has been compliant uh, and the stone has not changed at all, then it's probably not struvite. Right. And, yeah, that's right. it. So, uh, so, and then we have to look at alternative therapies. So right. that's what we're going to talk about next time. Um, okay. So let's finish it off with, uh, mm. with thanking our audience, wonderful yeah. audience for listening in. Uh, so the third part of this uh, percast series, we'll be talking about other, other treatments, other therapies for cats with stones. I know. Yeah. And this is where Yola actually gets to, you know, talk so, about the S word. So the next podcast will be all mine. <laughs> I feel so good about it. I'll be talking and talking and Susan will be quiet. <laughs> we'll I, see. I think that's impossible. We'll see. Yeah. So, so thank you very much for listening to uh, percast number two. Very exciting. Yep. Thank you, Susan, for all your input. Great. This has been great information. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, tune in next time. All right. Talk to you later. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks. Clinical Medicine and Management, and August Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. You can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yola Kerpenstein is a diplomat of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently for Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSU.